Right. How many are ready for baptisms? Make some noise. Come on. Y'all ready to get baptized? Watch somebody get baptized. I think. Woo! Come on. All right. Give some love. Give some love. Give some love. Open up your Bibles to the book of James, chapter 2. Chapter 2, because we love you. Look at your neighbor and say, we love you. So good to have you here today in the house of God. How many are enjoying the nice weather? How many are excited to see the sun disappear tomorrow, that eclipse? Anybody a little scared, a little that, a little scaredy scared? You know, it's God's amazing creation that it does it that way. If I got my numbers correct, the moon is 400 times smaller than the sun and 400 times the distance away from the sun. That's why it can do it exactly like that. Well, that's at least what I heard on K-Love. So you guys check my numbers. But that's what I remember them saying, something like that when I was listening to K-Love. How many listen to K-Love? Got that radio station on with my kids. They love it. So this is what we want to do today. We're going to do a baptism. Already baptized about 10 in the first service. It was exciting and awesome. Maybe about half that in the second service. We'll see. Some of you may not be planning on getting baptized, but you may by the end of this service. And I mean that in all sincerity because as a church, a lot of times people misunderstand what baptism is about. Baptism is about the outward sign of expressing your heart of dedication to God, accepting the gospel. Baptism is an example of salvation just like communion is. And we'll talk about that in just a little bit. But what I want to do is take a little detour from our Ephesus, our place of Ephesians, our sermon series through that book by Paul. And I want to talk today about being a new creation because I believe that it's good to remind the church about the gospel and to talk about the power of the gospel. Everybody say new creation. Thank you, because I cannot tell you how often, even in this church, which is the church my wife and I started, I still hear people say things the wrong way. They don't understand it. And I want you to be able to understand what God does in our lives according to the Scripture. Somebody say, bring it. Okay, are you there in the book of James? Okay, hold your spot there because i got to preach a little bit from my notes so that I don't get too carried away today because i got so much to share. But what if I told you, and I want you to think about this, what if I told you that what you believed about salvation matters just as much as what you believe about Jesus? Okay, a lot of people don't understand that. So what I want us to do is just pause right here. I know the congregation that I preach to week after week. I recognize most of you, 80% at any given time are saved in this church being discipled. We have about 200 youth and adults in both services. So uh, you take that, 155 are in our discipleship program. That's right around 80%. Let's give Jesus an amen for that. Thank you, Lord. And then we have about 50 children that go into the back, okay? So 250 is about the size of our church. And so what I want us to do right now, no manipulation. So if you didn't come in here believing this, don't say it now unless you really want to be saved right now. But the rest of us, we're going to say what we already know is true, okay? Everybody say this with me. Jesus is the Lord of my life. He died on the cross for my sins. He was buried in the grave, rose again on the third day ascended into heaven, and is coming again. How many believe that? Okay, so you believe that. By definition, that means now you are a Christian. You have confessed Jesus as Lord. But the problem is, is that many of you, even here today, so this is not talking about those who are going to watch us by webcast. I'm talking about those of you here today. Nudge your neighbor and say he's talking about you. Do not understand what that means in salvation because what you believe about Jesus' work in your life is just as important as you believe what Jesus' work was on the cross. So get this, what you believe about Jesus in you is the same thing you got to believe that Jesus did for you. You've got to believe that Jesus did a work in you just like Jesus did a work on the cross. Let me make it even more plain. If you don't believe that when you believed what you just said, that when Jesus died on the cross and raised from the dead, if you don't believe you were made at that moment, whenever you did that for the first time, a new creation, you are missing right now the entire plan of salvation from the Bible. You're missing the entire thing. It's like literally, it just went right over your head. 
Because if you're thinking still what Father Tom told you, and i got to step on some toes a little bit here, okay? And I love, I love this about our church because you like it when I get sassy. Some of, your na- some of your neighbors maybe can't handle it. You bring them to church and you got to prep them. But listen, anybody who loves the truth, the truth will set them free. And if it's not setting them free, it's making them mad, okay? But I know you all can handle this. You got to get out of your mind what Father Tom told you. You've got to get out of your mind what other churches told you if it did not line up with this word. And what I mean by this is I hear a lot of people saying, God's still working on me. That's the wrong way to think about it, my friends. Some of you think you're saved, but you still got some issues. That's another wrong way to look at it. And the problem is you don't understand what salvation is. You think you have joined a self-help religion, and it's you do a little, God does a little, you do a little, and God does a little, and you got it all wrong. You think that you are in a process like the Gaines family on Fixer Upper, and they just gonna and God's gonna remodel you over the next 20 years of your life. That is not salvation. Jesus was crucified, buried, rose again. You believe that, right? Well, I hope you believe what happened when you believed in that. Because if you don't believe when Jesus died on the cross for your sins and was dead and buried, you're gonna miss the entire plan of salvation. Look at the book of James. Let me refresh this for you because I've already been told it was James chapter 2. Pastors make mistakes. Somebody say, I'm praying for you, Pastor. Thank you. Look at James chapter 2. Look at how fast that just appeared. I love technology when it works. Look at James 2.17. In the same way, faith by itself, if it's not accompanied by action, is what? So if your faith does not have proper action, what is it? It's dead. But someone will say, you have faith, but I have deeds. He now says, show me your faith without your deeds, and I'll show you my faith by my deeds. Everybody go, ooh, snap. Come on. You say you got faith, but you got no deeds. You're a liar. Look what the Bible says, verse 19. I believe in God. Look at what verse 19 says. You believe that there's one God? Good. Even the demons believe that and shudder. See, what's the difference between you and that demon? See, that demon knows Jesus is Lord, died on the cross, was buried, rose again on the third day. But you see, that demon can't be transformed by the work of salvation. They can only understand what salvation is from the outside. It doesn't come into the inside. And see, some of you have a faith that you say you understand what Jesus did over there, what he did on that cross, but you don't understand what he did up in here. And so you just walking around saying, oh, I believe in God, and then this false version of salvation is really a useless faith. Look at now in verse 20 if you don't believe me. Somebody say, it's tight, but it's right. You foolish person. Oh, no, James, you're not supposed to say that. How many want to erase that out the Bible because, you know, Oprah gets offended? You guys want to change the Bible? Listen to me. Somebody tells you there's another way to heaven, they're a foolish person. Somebody tells you that that faith can have no deeds following it, they're a foolish person. Somebody says God's still working on me, that's a foolish person. Somebody says I ain't got it all together, that is a foolish person. Somebody says I'm already perfect, that's a foolish person. It gets quiet when I preach like this. I must be talking to a lot of you in second service. Because in first service, they were amening. You see, because you don't understand salvation. You think you do because you think that language fits the Bible. That fits Islam, not the Bible. That fits Hinduism, not the Bible. That fits your gym membership that you pay in that trainer to help you get in shape. But this is not a religion of work. This is not a workout religion. You don't come and participate in your salvation. You're dead until you're made alive. All your deeds, as good as you may think they are, are rotten rags and filthy rags in the eyes of God. Let's keep going. You foolish person, do you want evidence that faith without deeds is useless? Well, I got faith in God. I said I believe. Well, demons believe in him. Where's your real action behind your real faith? Because if you had real faith, you would stop talking like that. You would stop saying that. Because what those words are, are excuses for you to live like the devil. We say to you, this is a sin. Well, everybody's a sinner. Your faith is useless. We say to you, that's pornography. Bible says, stop it. Well, God's working on me. Your faith is useless. I wish somebody would get it today. 
I want to knock the devil right. I love you so much, I'm telling you the truth today. I can make a lot of money off telling you lies, but I would rather offend some of you, and at least you know what the real gospel is, than for me to make money off telling you lies today. I'm tired of people telling you in the gospel enterprise how to be busted and disgusted so they can come back and preach you happy every week. I want to teach you how to be holy and righteous and pure and blameless and perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. That's what Jesus said. Now, I'll explain to you how it works in just a moment, but just understand you're a foolish person if you don't think faith in God transforms your actions like now. Like now. I'm talking cigarettes out your car thrown at the altar now. I'm talking weed getting flushed down the toilet like now. I'm talking like sending a text or a Snapchat to your boo like now. We breaking up. I'm talking about that. I'm talking about real gospel change. That's why it ain't working for you because you ain't working it right. Work the word and it will work for you. Was not our father Abraham considered what? What was father Abraham considered? Was he considered busted and disgusted? Was he considered half sinner, half saint? Was he considered a centaur, an animal-like creature where half of his body's a horse and the top of his body's a man? That's how we think of ourselves. I'm part jacked up, Pastor, but I'm part happy. I'm a Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde up in here. No, Abraham was considered righteous. What do you consider yourself today? If you're a Christian and you said those words and you meant it, you better say you are who God said you are. Well, nobody's righteous. You're in pride. You're in rebellion. You're arguing with him. Nancy, would you please bring me my son, Lucas? I want Lucas to come up here for you. Carol, would you help her as she may be doing something right now? For our father Abraham was considered what? righteous for what he what did when he offered his son Isaac on the altar. You see that his faith and his actions were working together, and his faith was made what? Complete by what he did. And the scripture was fulfilled that says Abraham believed God. So was he saved by what he did? No. What he did just shows that he was saved. Abraham believed God, and it was credited to him as righteousness, and he was called God's friend. Let's give it up for Lucas as he comes right here. Come on, little buddy. This is my five-year-old little man, my little man. Now, do I need to go on the Maury Povich show to find out whose son this is? Does anybody doubt up in this church whose son this is? Now, let me ask you a question. When did he become my son? Does he become my son at 18 years old when he knows how to do life? Does he become my son when he does everything perfect in life? When did he become my son, my spitting image? You could even say at conception, but the day he was born, we all saw it. When did you become the spinning image of God, your father, in the image of Jesus Christ? The day you were born again. The moment you were born again. Now, guess what? He's got a lot of growing to do, but that never changes who he is. He's my son right now, a perfect son in my image. You can't get more of an image than this. Now, he has to learn to obey the things we have at home, but he's in my image. Don't get it twisted. You don't do more things to get into the image of God. You do the things because you are in the image of God. Think of God like Jesus being a mirror that you look at. And whenever you look at yourself, you're supposed to align yourself, connect right to who he is. You're not trying to change every day to be like him. You're aligning your attitude because you've been made like him. You're changing your words because you've been made like him. You're changing your thoughts because you've already been made like him. Before he ever knew how to talk like me, he was already made like me. I wish somebody would get that today. And now show me your muscles because you're going to get some too. Come on, let's give it up for Lucas right here. Go on. Thank you. You see, yes, he may not do everything like daddy. He may not have it all together, but today he's in my image. And if he believes that, he'll be able to do the right things. See, Abraham started off saying, I believe God is who he said he is. And then he was given righteousness. See, when was he given righteousness? When he started doing a bunch of things? No. When he first believed, he was given righteousness. Now he could act right. 
So why are you all still telling me you confess Christ, but you don't know how to act right? If you believed, you were given all the righteousness you ever needed. I was given the righteousness I was ever needed day one. Day one, DNA is in him. Day one. He has everything he needs. Everything. You have every ability in Christ to do what God said you can do. Can I hear an amen? Turn with me to 2 Corinthians 5.16. Look at your neighbor and tell him it was just the intro because now we got to get to the message. You all ready for this? Now, some of you all get mad at me, and here's how you get mad. You say, Pastor, but as a Christian, don't you still make mistakes? Yes. But what is the difference between me and that sorry backslider that keeps making an excuse? I'm actually repenting for my mistake. Watch, I'll show you how it's done. You want to come into my prayer closet? I'll get real with you. You don't even have to wonder what Joe's problems are. I'll tell you right now. Lust, jealousy, and fighting uh, self-esteem and bitterness, not having enough, not feeling I'm good enough. You know my weaknesses now, so pray with me or criticize me. It's up to you what you want to do. Lust, jealousy, anger, and bitterness. Those are the th three things that come at me as temptation. Here's what I do. You want to know what I do? You want to know what I do when I lust after someone that's not my wife? And the Holy Spirit says, off, not right. Your thoughts aren't right. That's not my image. That's not what I created you for. That's not the righteousness I made you in. I repent. And I say, God, forgive me for sinning against you and my bride. Purify my heart again like you did the first day. Renew my thoughts that I don't see other women as sexual objects, but as mothers and daughters and sisters. Give me eyes only for my wife. In Jesus' name I pray. I don't use God's grace as one of those filthy rags that I keep in my garage to just scrub down the lawnmower when I got some oil on it. And then when I had to kill a bug on the window and it wouldn't come off, I had to scrub off its guts. I don't use the grace of God just as a dirty, filthy rag just to be forgiven to sin, to say, I'm sorry. I, oh, I didn't mean to do it, but I want to do it again. Oh, but I'm sorry, but I want to do it again. I don't do it for a merry-go-round of sin or for a dirty, filthy rag. It's real conviction. It's, it's, it's a sense of, I'm not who I'm supposed to be. Sin brings death. And have I walked away from God, not in sense of losing my salvation, but have I tried to run from that conviction? Yeah, there's been times where I try to run from that. But you see, I have a relationship with God, so I notice peace begins to leave. The peace that I was given at salvation, relationships with others begin to get tarnished, affected. And then I realize, oh, hold on, this path seems familiar. This is the road that leads to destruction. This is where sin becomes normal again. This is where excuses begin to reign in my life. And I've been on that road as a Christian a few times in 20 years. One was over bitterness towards my Bible college president because I believed I know more, knew more than him. And as weeks began to go by, literally people said, you are not the same person. You're not people that were working with me in the ministry said, you're not the one we came to work with. What is wrong with you? And I defended myself and I defended myself, but I was walking away from what God had given me. You see, that's what it's like when you live in sin as a Christian. You tell me this nonsense, God is still working on you. You tell me this nonsense that somehow it's okay to be where you're at. I am like, what God are you talking to? Because you're not talking to Jesus. Jesus never says to you, we'll work on this later or we'll take baby steps along the way. This is what Jesus says. Even to the woman caught in adultery. Here she is, stripped, probably butt naked, dragged out of her house, meant to be embarrassed in front of everybody. He points to the people judging her and he says, you bunch of hypocrites, you want to kill her, you throw the first stone if you're without sin. Now, he doesn't then say to her, see, everybody's got sin. Nobody's perfect. Go make some tricks and give your tithe. This is what he says to her. Daughter, neither do I condemn thee. Picks her up, looks her in the eyes, and says, now go and sin no more. The forgiveness was for transformation. It was to transform her life. 
It wasn't just forgiveness to say, we're going to keep working on this. We're going to take this step by step because I'm working on you. He said, no, it's done now. It's done now. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Somebody say, preach it. Thank you. I need your help today. So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. This is important right now in our culture. I don't regard people from a worldly point of view anymore. I don't care if they look like me and they're carrying tiki torches down in Charlottesville. They're going to bust hell wide open with their racism. Are you listening to me? And I don't care if somebody looks just like you and they spew racism. Stop looking at people from a worldly point of view. If they're not serving God, they're not going to the same heaven as you. And we need to stop making alliances with things that are ungodly. The Bible says have no partnership with the ungodly. But here's another way that we got to understand the scripture. is stop looking at yourself in the mirror as the world looks at you. And look at yourself in the mirror as Christ looks at you. Not only do I not see you the way the world looks at you, I don't even want to see myself the way I see it in the world's eyes. Yes, we can look at ourselves, pick out all of our mistakes and say it must not have worked. Here I am still busted and disgusted. But God says don't look at anything from a worldly point of view. Look at the spirit. In your spirit, do you desire God? In your spirit, do you feel conviction when you sin? In your spirit, do you know this is true salvation? This is why he died. The Bible said that he may destroy the works of the devil, not play with them, to destroy them. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, everybody looked at Jesus and said, oh, he's just a man. And he was, the Bible even goes so far to say he wasn't even a good-looking man. That's why I love my Jesus, amen? Me and Jesus could be like boys hanging out. He's not like some of my friends that are like really good looking, you know. I wouldn't feel embarrassed to be at the beach with him. Come on. Jesus, just a normal dude. He didn't look like Brad Pitt. Stop hiring these actors with these chiseled jaws to be like Jesus, amen. I want like a normal dude to be Jesus. But we used to look at Christ and many in the world didn't know who he was. But now look at what verse 17 says. Therefore, if anyone now is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has what? The old has what? And the new is where? Here. Now I want to ask you these questions to see if you believe it. You may say, Pastor, I don't know about all this stuff you're saying. I thought we were all supposed to just get worked on until we get to heaven. Let me ask you these questions according to what you just read right here. If you are in Christ, how much of you is old? According to this, like I said, I'm not here to be offensive for offensive sake, and I'm not really even trying to be a comedian. I'm just asking you. I don't care what Father Tom says, and I don't care what that clicky pastor says or that niche pastor with all these followers says on Facebook. I'm asking you a question right now. If you are in Christ percentage-wise, 0 to 100%, how much of you is old? So why do we keep talking to your old man then? Why do we keep talking to you as a worldly person then? That is not who you are in this church. That is not who God called you to be. Paul called to be an apostle, beginning of the Corinthian letter. An apostle of Jesus Christ to the will of God and Thessalonians, our brother, to the church of God, which is at Corinth, to those who are what? Sanctified, past tense, made holy in Christ, called to be saints. I'm supposed to treat you like a saint. I'm not supposed to treat you like an ain't. Well, I ain't a saint. Well, okay, you don't have to go to hell then. Uh, to heaven, then you can go to hell. But how many want to go to heaven? Then be a saint. You say, I can't make myself one. Well, thank God he said you could be one by faith. He'll give you righteousness. You say, Pastor, I tried and it didn't work. You worked the wrong thing then. Do what God says. He makes sinners saints. That's how I'm supposed to talk to you. I'm not supposed to come here talking to you like you always in sin and you need my help to convince you to get out of sin or you always doubting God and you need my help to help you to stop doubting God. 80% of you here are supposedly this and I'm going to hold you accountable to this. You are the church of God. You are sanctified in Christ Jesus and you are called saints. I will call you that until you go to another pastor to call you a sinner again. Are you listening? I will not identify you in a worldly way anymore. Now, you say, I don't confess Christ. Well, let's just be honest. That is what a sinner is. But you say these words out of your mouth, Jesus Christ is Lord. You say that out of your mouth, and you believe it in your heart. The Father raised him from the dead. Then, my friend, you are this. Now, ask yourself this question. Why do people resist this? Because they love sin. Let's just cut right through it all. You see, I just told you I've sinned as a Christian, but I hate it. 
I hate that feeling. Everyone look up at me, please. I'm a pastor, and I hate it. I don't like when I yell at my son out of anger because I've had a long day. I don't then walk away and go, well, no more is perfect. I go, forgive me. It's not how I should have acted, Lucas. You didn't deserve that. Dads make mistakes too. Will you forgive me? And I line up to Jesus, and I say, this is who I'm supposed to be, Lucas. And even when I don't act like it, I'll repent and go right back to it because I'm not going to get stuck in the mud. I've already been down that path of sin. There's nothing there for me. Can I get an amen? Thank you. Here's another question. If the new creation is here, how much of the old you remains? Okay, that's your confession. Now do you understand what I was saying in the introduction? You believe Jesus died, was buried, raised again from the dead, but do you believe when you believed in him, you were died, buried, and raised from the dead? Do you believe you became a new creation? Do you believe the Holy Spirit came into you? Do you believe you're perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect? You're holy as he is holy. You're made righteous. gets quiet when I start saying words like perfect, holy, and righteous. That's what it means. Doesn't the Bible say be holy for I am holy? Now, some of you all grew up in churches and thought that that just meant you couldn't watch TV or have fun, you know? That's not what we mean by holiness. Jesus had fun. But Jesus never sinned. Know the difference, amen? Know the difference in all of these things you do in this world that they can entice you to sin. TV can entice you to sin, so avoid what causes you to sin. The Bible says cut it off like a hand. If your hand causes you to sin, cut it off. It's better to go to heaven known as lefty, you know, because your right hand got cut off than to go to hell with two hands. Are you listening? I've cut off so many things out of my life, and every now and then God says, you can have it back because you know how to do it right. For eight years, I didn't watch any secular TV or any secular movies. Why? Because I couldn't do that right. For almost 10 years, I didn't have a serious relationship because I couldn't do it right. I didn't even start listening to secular music until I was saved for about 12 years because I couldn't do it right. Are you listening to me? And I'm not saying every one of my convictions has to be yours, but God will tell you what is right for you to walk in that path. And he'll say, this ain't worth it for you. These friends or this movie, sometimes a job, is not worth it for you. Let's keep going. All this is from God. Who does all this? Who does all this? God. So God makes me a new creation, brings all the bad, takes all the bad out, brings the good in. God does that, right? So if anybody tells me it doesn't work for me, have they gone to God? So that's why I'm saying, not picking on people, but I'm just being honest. If it doesn't work for you, it's because you went to Father Tom or you went to me or you went to another church or whatever, and you got believe in something up here that wasn't right. And I'm not saying we're the only ones. Please don't hear me say that. I'm just saying anybody telling you other than this, and then you wonder why it doesn't work, is because you don't believe. You don't have action, and you don't have true faith. All this is from God. Somebody say, from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ Jesus and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. Verse 19, God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ. Who did all the work? God through Christ, not counting people's sin against them. This is why everybody look at me. I just want attention today. Please give it if you can. I just want to see your eyes today. Thank you. Because here's the deal. Anybody tells me, They can't do this because of sin. They are foolish. That's what I was trying to say in James. Because it just says here, he does not count their sins against them. But I was born gay. He does not count their sins against them. But my dad used to kick me and beat me. Does not count their sins against them. Well, everybody in my culture does this. Does not count their sins against them. It doesn't matter what you have ever done, what has been done wrongly to you. The moment you hear the message of reconciliation with God, reconnecting to his image, understanding what he's done, there is nothing that stops that from happening. Which is bigger, God or sin? What is bigger, the blood of Jesus or your sins? That's why it says get born again. Everything you say came naturally to you, that may be true. You may have been born with natural affections towards people of the same sex. Get born again. You may have been born with a bad temper. My parents said they were, I I don't even want to go into this story, but I punched a girl in kindergarten and gave her a bloody nose. Yes, I was a bad boy. And my mom beat me all the way home because it was, uh, I was in kindergarten, but it was at her house. She literally got, picked me up, got me, and she took the wooden spoon, beat me down the street, and broke the wooden spoon on my butt. And praise God for that. Amen. I needed it. But here's the point. God doesn't hold that against me. 
The moment I came to Jesus, I don't get an excuse now to say, well, I've had a bad temper and I don't know where it comes from. I don't hold that against you, Joe. So now the question isn't how many sins have you sinned? What kind of sins have you sinned? No, the question is simply, do you want to stop living in sin? You just Do you want to stop it? Do you want to live holy? Do you want to be who Christ made you to be? Amen? How about this? He committed to us the message of reconciliation. Am I preaching that message today? Come on back to the, to the Father through Jesus. So let me ask you this. Since being reconciled with Jesus, how many of your sins uh, is God holding against you right now? How many is he holding against you? None. So that means today people hear this kind of preaching and sometimes they feel like he's just, you know, trying to scare the hell out of us. And true, yes, I want the hell out of you and heaven in. But in one sense they think it's all about like sin, like I'm all focused on sin. No, I'm focused on Jesus and his righteousness. But any excuse you bring up of sin, there's your answer. There's no more excuse. Nobody gets an excuse to live outside of this image. Now watch this. Here's where it ends for Paul to make this point. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors as though God were making his appeal through us. Do you feel like you're getting that today? Do you feel like I'm trying to make an appeal to you? What am I imploring on Christ's behalf? Just like these apostles, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled with God. Now, once again, Paul's already anticipating the argument but I can. I'm a sinner. I've tried. Religion doesn't work. Read verse 21 in the count of three together. One, two, three. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. There's the solution. There it is. I don't change myself. There's the crescendo, folks. That's why we stop using these terms that they use to get in shape. And I'm getting in shape and trying to get a six-pack, and I'm working on it. But that's not salvation. That's not salvation. I'm working on being a better dad with my kids. Not salvation, though. That's not salvation. Learning to be a better pastor, growing in wisdom. Not salvation. Salvation says the old has gone, the new has come. Bible says he was made sin for us that we would be made righteous in him. That's now how I can grow up. That's how Lucas grows up. Is first he has to get born. He doesn't try to do a bunch of things before he's born. He gets born and then he does a bunch of things. We get born again and then we do the right things. Otherwise, if we don't be before we do, all we have is do-do. Because you can do this and do that and do that on your way to hell. You can go to hell with the baptism robe on. You can go to hell with a pastor plaque on your wall. Are you listening? You can go to hell leading a denomination. It doesn't matter. But if you be in Christ, hell can't stop you because you are more than a conqueror. So let me ask you these questions at the end of this passage. How much of you was sinful before you were saved? Zero to 100%. How much was sinful? About 100%. How many of you were just like, had a little bit of righteousness left in you before you got saved? No, the Bible says without Christ, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Think about this fall. I want everybody to look up at me, please. Again, think of this fall as going from a plane 10,000 feet up in the air, and you're falling because of your sin, and now what you do to try to save yourself is hold on to clouds. Could those clouds hold you? That is what your good works are worth on the day of judgment. You better get Jesus. He is the only one that stops your fall from glory, okay? So before Christ, we all admit it, and this is where I say to my friends who preach and, you know, have a, and, and I'm not hating on people having a lot of following. I'm just saying I hear this preaching all the time, and I'm just getting so sick of it. Like, you're going to make it. God's on your side. Shake your name, you know, all of this. Why are they always talking about us as if we're sinners? Why are we always in a struggle? Why are we never seated in Christ in heavenly places? Why are we never soaring on the winds of eagles? Why is nobody ever telling us who we are saved and sanctified? Why is it always we're in a struggle? I just heard a testimony. You ready for this one? Because a lot of people will pass, you don't know my struggles. Pastor from Canada went and preached the gospel in North Korea, got arrested, put into a concentration camp, spent many years in solitary confinement, was beaten, was continually left to die, was starved to death, was all of these things, and he now got out by God's grace. And this is what he said, there was never a gloomy day I was in there. I'll send you his testimony. 
Because he said, every day is a good day with God, and they will not take my joy. They didn't give it, and they can't take it. The Bible says, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross. I want to hear more preaching about the joy in the midst of our suffering, the joy in the midst of our rejection. Come on, somebody. The joy set before him. He endured the cross, despising the shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. The Bible says, run your race with that attitude. Stop seeing yourself as the victim that the pastor has to convince is a victor. See yourself as more than a conqueror, that God is on the inside of you in your struggle. Amen? Okay, so we all believe without Christ, there was 0% of us that was righteous. Now let me ask you this. Now that you're in Christ, how much of you is righteous? 100%. He who knew no sin became sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God. Somebody say, make it plain. Well, I got a helpful chart for you. Because I know I can preach and get real excited, but everybody still misses it. This is what works-based salvation looks like. And many of you have already seen this chart. And you may have a friend like Mike, but this is what Mike will tell you. And no offense if your name is Mike here today. But this is what Mike 3.16 says. Little by little, God is saving me. Because when I do my part, he does his part. And when I do better, I become better. How many have heard the gospel of Mike before? And so this is what it looks like in a graphic form. So the day you got saved, you were like 10% saved. 90% of you was centaur, half beast, half man, half Jekyll, half, you know, or 90% Jekyll and Hyde. And then what are you supposed to do now to get to 100? You're supposed to pray more? Is that what the Bible says? Pray more, pray more, pray more so you can get saved more, saved more, saved more. And then one day you're 80 years old, you're at 90%, and then all of a sudden you get mad at the dog, go back down to 80%. The rapture happens and you get left behind or something. You die, you go to hell because you didn't make it. Or some people will say, well, of course, you know, nobody ever makes it until they get to heaven. So now death is the Savior. So somehow when your body dies, you become perfect in Christ now. Where does the Bible say that? Death is not your Savior. You don't become a saint when you die. You become a saint when you're born again. Death is not your saving force. Death just separates body from soul. What the soul is is what it will be now in eternity. The difference in our nature now is because we have only a glorified nature if we know Christ. If we don't, we only have our sinful nature. Look what Ephesians 2 says. For it is by grace you have been what? Saved. Past tense. Through what? Faith. This is not from yourself. It's the gift of God. If you gave me a birthday present and it was a piece of paper and had a $10 receipt on it and I said, what is this? You said, this is on layaway and I'm paying $10 a month for the next 20 years. Happy birthday. I would say, what kind of gift is this? God does not give you the gift of salvation on layaway. He's not making payments on you. This is what he said on the cross. It is finished. Boom, done. Download yours. Boom. Jesus, come into my heart, save my life. Boom, ping, pow, saved. 100% download. 100% download. I want you guys to meet Timmy. Everybody say hi, Timmy. Timmy is one of the kind of kids I grew up watching uh, Sunday school lessons with being taught on a felt board. I don't know if anybody remembers this. It would be like a big green felt board in Sunday school rooms, and the Sunday school teacher would have a picture like Timmy and put it on the board and tell us the story. So here it is. And I don't mean this to belittle anybody, but I hope you can get it as Timmy got it. You see, Timmy was born in a good family, was a good kid, doesn't do any real wrong. But you see, Timmy is from the lineage of Adam and Eve. And Adam and Eve were traitors against our God and brought a curse upon the earth. So the race, remember there's only one race, the human race, the race that Timmy's a part of is the damnable race, the race that deserves death, sickness and sorrow, and eternal suffering. That is Timmy's race, the human race, just like you. And so Timmy's heart even as cute as Timmy is, it's not a cute little heart. It's a wicked heart. That if Timmy had a hammer and nails on the day of crucifixion, he would have nailed Jesus' hands right to the cross. And if he would have been there with Adam and Eve, he would have took the fruit and said, just, I deserve this. Why not all the trees be mine? If you don't believe me, Imagine a toddler if they were the size of uh, one of these professional wrestlers. A toddler doesn't have quite their understanding yet, but they would beat you for that cookie, wouldn't they? 
That is the sinfulness of man. And thank God when we raise children, they're not made as big as the rock. Because if that baby came out the size of the rock, it would kill you for that cookie like Cain did Abel. Some of y'all don't get that. You better understand human nature. Now, thankfully, God says children aren't accountable because they're not responsible, responsible for what they do. But the Bible says you come to a place of responsibility for your actions, and your heart becomes like everyone else's. You sin. You choose it. But now, Timmy, here's the gospel. Jesus died for him, was buried, rose again. And Timmy then says, I believe. Guess what happens to Timmy's sinful heart and all of his sins? They're nailed to the cross. What happens to his old man? It's buried in the grave. What happens the next moment? He's raised and seated with Christ in heavenly places. Timmy is a new creation. How many are like Timmy today? Wouldn't that just be awesome if the Bible gave us some kind of an illustration about death, burial, and resurrection? Oh, baptism. Remember I said we would talk about that? You come in there dry. Remember, baptism doesn't save you no more than communion saves you. It's an illustration. Come in there dry as a sinner. You confess your sins. Jesus is Lord. You get buried. You come up. As a new creation, as the water is broken in the woman's womb and the baby comes out, the water symbolizes the new creation coming from the new birth of Jesus Christ. What you see today is what Christianity was always built upon. It's not just some crazy pastor trying to convince you of something new. This was the whole point. We're supposed to look at our friends today as brand new creations in Christ. Can I hear an amen? Now the question is, do you believe you are who God says you are and that you can do all that God says you can do? Because I want to read to you 120 things the Bible says about you, and none of them is that you're busted and disgusted. And let me just say this quickly, and you'll realize real quick why God made this Italian a pastor. I was already gifted to talk fast, okay, because we will go through 120 of them right now. Can any Puerto Rican say amen? Come on. When I met Puerto Ricans, I didn't grow up around Italians. I grew up in the suburbs of Fort Wayne, no Italians, no real, like, it was just gringos, white people. But when I met Puerto Ricans, I was like, oh, man, he's like my gente right here. We like, like what other people call yelling, we just call talking. That's all we do. But I want you to understand this. This is who you are if you confess Christ at the beginning. Now, if you're truly not saved, we're not trying to make you be saved or say you're not. Honestly, I'm being honest. If you have not truly believed in your heart and confessed with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, we want you to do that today. Altar workers will be here. Praise God you are here. All of us had to come through the same way you are today. Okay? But here's my thing. For the majority of us, this is us. This is not going to be us. This is us. Somebody say amen. We are God's children, born again. We have received the atoning sacrifice. We are purified, cleansed from all sin. We have been given a new life, eternal life, accepted in Christ, set free. We have received God's character. We are loved by his perfect love, no fear of punishment, no darkness in our soul. We have a sound mind. We can love like Jesus. Well, you can say amen at any time. We have the fruit of the Spirit. We are called of God. He knows us by name. He's engraved us into the palm of his hands. We are precious and honored by him, created in his womb to serve him, formed and set apart. We are called God's righteousness, created for his glory. We are forgiven, delivered from the darkness, made a new creation, have unfailing love, a purpose for living, never forsaken, always comforted. We have a father. We're not an orphan. We're filled with the spirit. We're given the power to understand. We have him as the temple or made the temple of the Holy Spirit. We're washed, sanctified, justified. We're overcomers and we're transformed. Are you excited today? Now do you... Now, I just want you to get this. Was, this. was this the equivalent to me of telling you, like, something silly or make-believe, you know? You're a Klingon. You have pointy ears. You belong on Star Trek. Like, is that how it connects to you? Or do you understand this is why Jesus died on the cross? As a man thinketh, so is he. As you put your heart to these things, you see them transform you. Remember I said at the beginning that it's not just you believing that there was this man named Jesus who lived and died because demons understand that. It's letting it come and transform your heart, having the action behind it. Otherwise, you just have a doctrinal belief or just like a historical belief. Like, yeah, do you believe Abraham died uh, at Lincoln at this year and he helped free the slave? Yeah, okay, well, that, what did that do for you? Nothing. What this is doing for you is building the foundation of your life. Are you ready? 
You don't have the spirit of fear. You're redeemed from the curse. You are strong in the Lord. You are holy without blame. You are blessed. You are a saint. You are qualified for God's inheritance. You are the head and not the tail, above and not beneath. You are victorious. You are dead to sin. You are God's elect. You are loved with that everlasting love, established to the end, circumcised by Christ, crucified with Christ, alive with Christ, raised with Christ. You are a faithful follower and disciple, a light of the world, salt of the earth, called of God, washed clean by the blood of Jesus, more than a conqueror. You are the work of God, an ambassador, beloved and chosen, the first fruit of his creation. You have the power of God to defeat the devil, a king and a priest, chosen, perfect, a joint heir, reconciled to God, forgiven and healed, physically healed by his wounds. In this world, you are like Jesus, a fellow citizen with the saints, sealed by the Holy Spirit and are complete in him. That is what God says. That's what I want to hear come out of every one of your mouths. Amen. I'm tired of stinking thinking. You say this, I'm going to put this right back in. God's still working. Before you can even get working on me, I'm going to say he has finished working on you. If not, you get up to this altar and get saved. Believe it. Believe it. Speak it. Some of you need to get baptized today. You need to go and get your clothes or get dunked in your clothes. The Ethiopian unit got dunked in his clothes. Why? He didn't care. It was time to get baptized. Because some of you say, I'm waiting. I'm waiting. Are you waiting for hell? Time for heaven. Time for heaven. What possibly are you waiting for? If I said to you, I have a million dollars, I don't know if I'm ready yet. What are you thinking? Either you don't know what a million dollars is or you don't, or you don't know what it's like to be broke. Come on. Either you don't know what hell is or you don't know what heaven is. I mean, you can't have it both ways. If you knew what hell was like, you would get to heaven as soon as you could. How many people have heard that? I'm not ready for it yet. Now, the Bible does say count the cost, but be honest with yourself. Do you want heaven or hell? Do you want Jesus or the devil? Do you want to die in your sins like little Timmy without Christ? Or do you want to be born again, forgiven, and live for Jesus? I am free from condemnation, the righteousness of God, firmly rooted in him. I have joy, peace beyond understanding. I think in new ways, a disciple of Christ, a firm foundation, a partaker of the divine nature, the completed workmanship of God, changed into his image, one with Christ, all my needs met, the mind of Christ, the gift of the Spirit, abundant life, overcoming the world, power to transform my thoughts, access to the Father. I can do all things with Christ, greater works than Jesus, walk with Jesus, be a friend of God, press towards the goal, forget the past and move forward. Receive all the promises of God. Triumphant with the Lord. The fullness of God in Christ. Be a witness. The apple of my Father's eye. Waiting to rule and reign with Jesus. If you believe it, will you stand up? Come on and give Jesus a hand clap today. Come on. Jesus. Jesus. Now that's what gets me excited. Band, would you come, please? That's what puts a pep in my step. Because I understand what Christ did for me. I don't deserve it. I want you to hear this in closing. Those who believe in Jesus, those who believe in him today and believe they are who God says they are, are in fact the only people who are truly born again, made a creation and are God's masterpiece, created to do good works. I remember when I first got saved, I didn't know who I was. All I knew, I was a sinner. That's all the identity I had, what music told me I was. So I picked up the Bible because the Bible is going to tell me who I am. And I go to the book of Psalms because I love music, love poetry, and I read Psalm 1. It's the first Psalm right there. Blessed is the man that does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, nor stand in the way of the sinner, or sit in the seat of the mocker. But his delight is on the law of the Lord, and on his law does he meditate day and night. He is like a tree planted by the streams of water, who yield its fruit in season, and his leaf does not wither, and whatever he does prospers. And I said, I'll be that man. Have I failed at being that man? Yes, but God has kept his image in me. He has kept his image in When my son fails at being my son, I don't rip out DNA. He doesn't turn into some mutant. In one sense, we can't walk away from salvation, but it's not just sin. The one who truly backslides, and we had one in our uh, first service got rebaptized because they backslide. They tell you, I denied Christ. I didn't want God in my life anymore. I made a decision. My heart doesn't belong to him. 
What I'm talking about is when we sin as Christians, we know it's wrong and we really confess it. And the Bible says that we grow then in our understanding. So I didn't know, like, I could quit smoking because I thought I was addicted to smoking. And within a few weeks, I met a friend who told me the word and said, who the sun sets free is free indeed. And I'm like, do I got to do a bunch of new stuff? He said, no, it's already been done. Just believe it and say, Jesus set me free because you said you did it on, on the cross of Calvary. And I threw away those cigarettes. And I bummed a few for a couple days. And you may say, well, that was God working on you. No, no, that was me choosing to whether or not I was going to believe God. The work was already done. It was just whether or not I was going to believe him. And then one day, I believed I'm not a smoker. And I smoked my last cigarette. I didn't become a non-smoker in God's eyes that day. I became a non-smoker the day I got saved. Remember, we don't regard people in worldly ways. We regard them in the spirit. Those who are born again have the image of Christ. And he says, you're my son, you're my daughter, all those things we just read. So when you believe that, you'll live like that. When you believe he made you sinless, you will sin less. When you believe he made you righteous, you'll do righteous things. When you believe he made you holy, you'll be holy. And when you believe that you are who he said you are, you'll do what he said he could, you could do. Now, here's these questions. We start at the beginning. Thank you for your patience. We're going to get ready to do some baptisms. But I want to ask you these two questions now in closing. I wanted you just to be honest, please. Nobody do it, uh, you know, out of pressure. But I just want, to, I want you to look at it and be honest. Question number one. Do you believe Jesus is who God said he is? Jesus said, this is my beloved son at the baptism, baptism, who I am well pleased at the cross. When Jesus said it was finished, the earth shook, and, and God split the temple veils, he said, it's done. And when he rose, he said, I got all the authority from my father, okay? That's who the father says Jesus is. He's his son. He's our savior. Do you believe Jesus is who God said he is and that he did what he said he did? God said through these prophets, he would do all of these wonderful things. He would give the people a new heart. He would be their mighty God, their comforter. He would be their everlasting father. He would do these beautiful things in their life. Do you believe Jesus is who God said he is and that he did what God said he did? Do you believe it? Can I hear an amen? Amen. On that confession, you are saved. That is salvation. That is it. You may say, well, I didn't cry, I didn't come to the altar, do all of that. Those things can come afterward, expressions of a new heart, all of that. But that is all salvation is. The, read your Bible, Ethiopian eunuch I mentioned before. He's reading the prophet Isaiah. Here comes Philip, says, what are you reading? Well, I'm reading the Bible. Okay, let's talk about it. Within a few moments, he says, I believe it. Okay, let's get baptized. They stop, boom, he's baptized, he's saved, goes on about his way. That's Christianity. Because now the second part is what you do the rest of your life. It's what James says you put to your faith. Because now, do you believe you are who God said you are? Does that list speak to you? Is that the image you see in the mirror that you line up to and part your hair to and put your attitude right to and speak towards and act towards? You know, the image he said you are and that now you can do all that he said you can do. Do you believe that? Amen. Now we are who God wants us to be. So if you haven't been baptized, get baptized today. We prepared it for you. Those who are getting baptized, walk every day on the paths of righteousness with Jesus. Should you stumble and fall, be quick to repent, and you'll enjoy the journey with Jesus. I'm looking at one of our young ones getting baptized. And then the rest of us as families, let's do it together. And now do you understand how accountability works? Accountability works like this. If Daryl sees something in my life that doesn't line up with Christ, he has permission to bring that to me. How many think that's a good thing? I'm not talking about whether or not he likes my shorts. I'm not talking if he wants to talk about my sense of humor. That's all personal preference. But I'm saying he comes to me with a scripture and says, Joe, the Bible says, fathers, do not exasperate your children or do not frustrate them with all of these standards that are ungodly. And he says, Joe, I was watching you in your backyard when your son was dropping the ball, and it looks like you almost got to cussing at him. That grieved me. Can he do that in this church? Absolutely he can. Can I come to him? If I were to see him and something going on in his life and go, brother, here's the word. I, I'm not seeing this line up in your life. And maybe I misunderstood something. You know, maybe I say, you know, this happens on Facebook all the time. People will have uh, spam come from their Facebook. How many have had that happen? And like I'll open the message from you and it's like a woman half naked, you know. 
That happens, doesn't it? And then sometimes the people have to come back and be like, man, that wasn't me, you know? So if the brother goes, man, that's not me. I didn't send that to you. Amen. But if, I don't even want to put it on him. But if somebody was posting nudie pictures, is it okay if we come to our brothers and go, line that attitude up? Amen? How about husbands and wives? How about parents with their children? How about if children don't come at their parents the wrong way but help in the family to show their parents what they're learning too? Sometimes my children with the right spirit, let's make sure we clarify that right because we're in charge, right, parents? But I'm just saying, like, sometimes my children know when I'm getting upset, and if they can say it the right way, I can learn to bring it down a little bit, right? Like, Dad, you don't have to yell. And I'm like, I'll yell if I want to yell. It's my house. But I really shouldn't because God doesn't want me to yell, so you're kind of right, you know. But I don't have teenagers yet, so y'all with teenagers, you can tell me how far that goes. Let's just pray right now in closing. Altar workers, would you come? Lord, we want to believe this and live it in Jesus' name. Come on, right now, who's going to line up their heart to the things of God? You know what sin is. It's anything Jesus wouldn't do. Is there any sin in your life today? Confess it. Get rid of it. Those of you who have not been born again, be born again today. Say, Jesus, come into my life and mean it this time, right? Do it from your heart. Those of you who are born again, say, Jesus, search my heart and see if there's anything that doesn't line up to your character. Because I know you made me to be like you. In the name of Jesus. Lord, you're faithful to convict us. Show us those ways that you want to line up. Because we are your children, your sons and daughters. You are a good God. You do what you said you are going to do. You have made us saints, and we believe it today. Adam's just going to worship just quietly. as Adam worships softly. Keep praying for another few moments. If you want to sing this song of the Spirit, you can. But in an attitude of prayer, let's focus on Jesus before we dismiss, please. You call me to Jesus. Holy. You call me to be righteous. This is the calling of God today. Less of me and more of you. Less of me and more of you. Let's make it right and decide you to keep it right today. To be holy. Thank you, Lord. You call me to be righteous, less of me, less of me, and more of you. Less of me, and more of you. Call me to, thank you, Lord. Call me to be whole. Let's just sing it together before we dismiss, if you can. If you're still praying, keep praying, confessing the word over your life. He does not hold your sins against you today. Praise God. He doesn't hold it against you today. You are a new creation in Christ today. Less of me and more of you. Thank you, Lord. child of God, sing it out, and I am a new creation, a new creation, I'm a child of God, come on, let's pick it up a little bit, sing it like you got some victory, saints, and I'm a new creation, I am a new creation, and I Time and then just the drums and voices. Come on, shout it out today. I am, and I am a new creation. I am a child of God. No matter what the devil says today, no matter what you're going through, 
You're a victorious creation of God. New. Come on. Sing it out today. Yes, I am a new creation. I am a child of God. Yes, I am a new creation. Yes, I am a child of God. How many believe that today? Come on, say amen if you do. It is done and finished. I decided that my last day of being a sinner was November 5th, 1995. And today, I hope that's your day. If it hasn't been before or whatever that time was, that was your day. Amen. We're going to get out here and baptize. Here's simply how we're going to do it. If you want to be a rock star and join us out there, it's going to be right through our kitchen area. And we're going to dismiss that way. If you got other things to do, the other door is that way. But we're just going to get out there, and those who got to get baptized, get some clothes on that you can get wet. Some of you came here, and you're getting convicted. Just jump in line. It will be worth your clothes getting wet. It won't hurt them. Amen? Slap your neighbor high five and say you're a new creation. God bless you. Thank you for coming. You are dismissed. One more time, I'm a new creation as you go.